0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 36 on this week's big Brexit votes in Parliament. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope, and I'm joined by Progress Director Richard Angel. On Tuesday's podcast, we spoke to MPs Alison McGovern and Bridget Phillipson about the return of the EU withdrawal bill to the House of Commons. They explained what the votes would be on and why it was all so important. Since then, there have been front bench resignations on both sides of the chamber and increasing suspicion and recrimination among the Tories. But how much in terms of the legislation has actually changed this week? Richard, how much in terms of the legislation has actually changed this week? Diddley
0: squat has actually changed this week. <laughs> Depending on who you believe on the Tory side, there's pledges apparently been made to the more remain-minded Tory rebels or Tory promised to be rebels but never actually ever turn up and rebel lot that when this goes back to the House of Lords that there will be something that looks a bit like one of the Dominic Grieve amendments on what a meaningful vote looks like, but it's not exactly the meaningful vote that Dominic Greaves wants and that was in the House of Lords amendment that was seen this week. And of course, while there was massive backbench rebellion from Labour, I think bigger than they had in 71 over joining the common market, uh, which is pretty significant, it didn't actually, the the Tories didn't rebel on that either. So the Polish numbers weren't there. But what you saw was this real building of the case and the sense there are people. And of course, you had a Tory minister unknown to most people but resign and i thought what was interesting is he wasn't resigning essentially because of internal conservative party matters or even really because of the view of his constituents it was very much a sense of where his place in history would be and the fact that he couldn't look his kids in the eye knowingly voting for a brexit that was going to damage them and their future so much i thought it was interesting
1: it feels a bit like while the legislation may not have changed, the politics around Definitely. some of it has.
0: So Keir Starmer's now talking about a single market deal. That is very much the Labour position has kind of intellectually gone to that single market place, but is still held back by the free movement challenge that the single market arguably presents. They haven't all read their Progress magazine, uh, <laughs> or, or, or we haven't yet got that to be adopted as Labour Party policy. People remember that our March edition was on, the reforms you can make to free movement while staying in mm. the single market. But yes, and on the Tory side, I mean, Theresa May's kicked the can for a week on this meaningful vote issue and tried to kick the can down the road on customs union, single market stuff till either July or September. But it's coming back.
1: So 74 Labour MPs broke the whip to support an amendment to keep us in the EEA, the European Economic Area. That is a bigger Labour rebellion on Europe than even the 1971 vote on the common market when 69 MPs rejected the front bench line against joining Europe in the first place. How significant do you think that is? Well, I think it is really significant. I mean, the historical comparison, I think, is really important, and it shows the
0: kind of magnitude of the rebellion and what that might mean for Labour on this key issue of Europe and, you know, almost the same bit, was the same amendment, the common market then and the single market now... But also it's actually more significant because it was more than 50% of the backbenchers. So of the people available to vote with the whip who are not on the payroll in some way, most of them decided to go against the leadership and their position. And that I think is quite telling. And that isn't going to be a position that the leadership will want to see maintained Mm. throughout the various votes on Brexit.
1: Only three Tories uh, joined those Labour rebels. But I can guess them. (laughs) If you could go ahead.
0: Ken Clark, yep. Anna Soubry, yep. and Dominic Grieve. Dominic Grieve, absolutely we right. Well done.
1: <laughs> Only those three voted for the EEA, along with those Labour rebels, while 15 Labour MPs broke the whip the other way. Vote, including against, one resignation? Yeah, to vote against the uh, amendment, because Labour's line was to abstain. A lot of people will takes say... third-way politics to a new extent, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, don't, I think a lot of people will say that this shows that Labour can't keep us in the single market because the numbers in Parliament just aren't there. What do you make of that argument? I think if
0: it looked like there was a genuine and serious opportunity to change the direction of travel on it, there would be more than three Tory backbenchers prepared to rebel. And if you, you essentially need to get, what, if you've got 15 Labour people rebelling and essentially voting with the government, they've got a majority of six or something. So, you know, you need 15 plus six. So it all feels very doable. Mm. You've got to find 21 Tories out of the available pool of 316, is it? Or something, 318, something like that. So that seems eminently doable.
1: Essentially, I think for anyone who would look at a Tory rebellion of three on Europe and go, that is the extent of it, like, you possibly need to read a history book <laughs> about exactly, the Tories and Europe because there will always be more available.
0: And, and the I problem think... is this week, Labour decided to not make the fight with the Tories. It was mm. still sorting out his own position. It wasn't... It wasn't intending to land a blow on the Prime Minister. And bear in mind, all the House of Lords was asking for was for them to go in and ask for EA membership and that be part of their negotiation. It wasn't saying that's the end point where you have to end up with. It could be a bespoke deal and there's all kinds of things going around about... It doesn't necessarily have to be a Norway model that we come out with, but it, could, it was basically saying that should be our aspiration for, for a model like that that works, plus the customs union. For the Labour to not gear up for that fight... On basically
1: the aspirations of what we want from the deal, that seems to be a problem. Because I think at any list of pro-Tory MPs that doesn't include Nicky Morgan, for instance, you can rattle off a, a bunch of them who otherwise would have done. And perhaps if it had looked like it was on a knife edge, a lot more of them. Would have decided to vote with their conscience rather than the Tory whip. In the end, what is the point of rebelling on something that you know isn't going to pass? And Jeremy, not Corbyn, knows this more than anyone because he was out there rebelling so
0: many times, and he knew what it took to convince a number of his colleagues who wanted, you know, never doubted that they wanted a mm-hmm. Labour government that always wanted to be supportive of the position, but on times thought that the position the government was taking at the time was one that was too far and it needed reining in by its own side. And, you know, while he might have consistently voted against the government, there were times in which he was part of delivering votes where a majority came with it. And it was crucially when you had all of the opposition and you could mount a serious part number of your colleagues in a way that seemed reasonable and not wrecking. And that was the opportunity with this amendment because it was just asking the government to go in and ask for it. It wasn't committing them to getting it. That If
1: Labour can't gear up for that fight, it's going to struggle. And then we end up being the midwife to Brexit. But then I think there is still opportunity uh, there. I think given the fact that so many Labour MPs did vote for the amendment, it shows that actually that will put a lot of pressure and will have made people at the top of the Labour Party think a bit more about things this week. And I think if we can keep up that pressure, then there is definitely opportunity here. And um, that's why I know the Labour Say campaign which uh, was launched by the centre-left candidates for the National Executive Committee, is so important, which is fighting to... And we had loads of
0: people sign up for the LabourSay.eu campaign uh, this week because, of course, Labour Party members are frustrated about this. And the one benefit of Theresa May kicking the can down the road is it does open up the opportunity for Labour Party members to have that say at Labour Party Mm. conference on what Labour's Brexit policy to be. But the other thing that was really encouraging...
1: The fact that Theresa May is still kicking the can down the road means that actually she's pushing back the deadline on essentially when Labour can actually really get its stuff together and properly oppose the Tories on this. It, Uh, It should have long been passed by now, but actually the fact that things are still so up in the air means that if Labour can come in, we've still got that opportunity.
0: And the other thing that was really exciting this week is that we doubled the amount of donations we'd had to the EU crowdfunding campaign, and it's well over a thousand. Now. So, we're now more than halfway towards our target. So, people can go on laborsay.eu and donate, or they can sign up their friends and their family and other members of their CLP uh, and encourage people to get on board with that. And it has been crucial this week. I mean, I, we should thank progress members for the support that they've given to this campaign because it has helped move the dial. And those that are working with and through the Labour campaign for the single market, that of course was uh, founded by our chair at our conference is absolutely key to moving the internal dial on this because we're in the right place and what we're asking for is attainable
1: from the EU, the right thing for a jobs-first Brexit. And I know that a lot of those uh, MPs who did rebel against the whip, who don't particularly enjoy rebelling against the Labour whip on anything, do really appreciate that kind of support that they're getting from the grassroots. We should move on to iTunes comment. We've got a great iTunes comment uh, from Mrs. Glasgow this week says she's been a progress member for a while, but has only just started listening to the podcast. She says, excellent and insightful analysis on a wide range of topics and difficult to resist the urge to dance around the kitchen to the Zorba the Greek style musical interludes. And continue, a uh, 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 jingle continues to
0: divide people more than <laughs> Brexit
1: does because
0: it drives me dulali <laughs> yeah. and uh, and other people seem to really like it and have a little jingle.
1: So yeah. you know, it's a, little dance. I feel I feel a personal assault on my character every time someone criticises it. So <laughs> so thank you, Mrs Glasgow. This week she's my, backing you up. She's got your back. This week my political pub quiz was about parliamentary rebellions it asked which was the longest post-war period without a commons defeat for the government.
0: I had no idea what this was.
1: Alistair Harding, amazingly, he got it right immediately. He got it right by about 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning when the podcast went well out. Well done, Alistair. He said, Little
0: emoji clapping at you right now. <laughs>
1: 1953 to 1965, Anthony Eden, Harold Macmillan and Alec Douglas Home all went undefeated as PM. Alistair also pointed out that 1997 to 2005, under Tony Blair was the longest period a single prime minister has been without a defeat, oh. which I thought was interesting. Does that suggest
0: know? that there was a defeat pretty quickly then after the 2005 election Was so? I don't know? know what it is, well, but presumably well, so. Well, is clearly yeah. getting it. He's, he's subscribed, <laughs> uh, like all of you should do. So he gets it first thing in the morning, and he's listening to it on the tube or the train or the his commute to work, maybe while he's driving. And uh, I'm sure he'll be listening when, as this comes out and he'll be able to tell us how <laughs> well, soon into be. that historic third-term Labour government it took for people to rebel. Is it in Chris Mullins' book that it says that in the first PLP meeting, Blair went and spoke and said, I was loyal through four defeats. Uh, will people stay loyal through three victories? <laughs>
1: um,
0: anyway, uh, clearly Alistair
1: will know. And finally, last week, uh, Stephanie Lloyd on the podcast lobbied for a progressive Britain, Love Island, segment we then put it to a public vote online which came back overwhelmingly in her favor she's not here today do you oh, watch love island i don't okay well that's that love island section sorted. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah, people have it. got what they want it's like <laughs>
0: it's like the boaty but boat face consultation it's like there's a little dinghy somewhere that's got it tattooed on the side but it's called the R- the hms yeah. or something, I, I, understand,
1: I understand from conversations in the office that niall left this week that was uh, was he so hot? It's, it's caused some consternation. And I don't know why. Uh,
0: there's this thing about a doctor. And he's a GP, and then apparently he can't be hot because he's a GP, but he is hot. But they don't like him because they think he's too clever or something. It's all very bizarre. Oh no! But it's that. been a thing. Anyway, anyway, next more week more Love Island. This is <laughs> yeah. this is the kind of insight you can get from the
1: Progressive Britain podcast. <laughs> Next week, we have uh, Alex Smith from North London Cares and Mary Wimbury joining us. Remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Conor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton.